Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. There's a special internationally recognized organization for the blind. This organization represents over 250 million blind and visually impaired people in 190 member countries. The organization is called the World Blind Union, or WBU. The WBU is the voice of the blind who speaks to international bodies and governments on blindness and low vision issues in conjunction with the organization's members. World Blind Union President Dr. Frederick Schroeder joins us to explain how the organization helps the blind around the globe. Dr. Schroeder, welcome to the show. Thank you, Brian. It's a pleasure. It's a pleasure having you here, too. Dr. Schroeder, tell us about yourself and how you spoke out to become WBU's president. Well, it, uh, I've been blind since the age of seven. I, I lost most of my vision at that age and became totally blind at 16. And as a, as a young person, uh, I didn't know any other blind people. And so I had a very dismal sense of what the future might hold. In my case, uh, shortly after, I met some blind people who were involved in the the blindness movement in this case in my case the national federation of the blind and introduced me to the organization and i think that really started me on this whole journey of what uh, we can do through collective action that that organizations of blind people working together can reshape uh, opportunities that is what i tried to do throughout my life, both ad, from an advocacy standpoint and professionally, uh, I've been involved on various committees in the World Blind Union for a long time. And in 2012, I was I was nominated to be first vice president, and so I did that for four years. And now I'm serving a four-year term as president. And Brian, if I if I survive long enough, then I'll do four years as a me- as immediate past president. But it's it's all about <laughs> coordinated advocacy. All about coordinated advocacy, and maybe you'll be past pre- president maybe a bit longer. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the World Blind Union and how this special organization helps the blind and visually impaired around the world. The World Blind Union represents agencies that provide services to blind people and organizations of blind and partially sighted people. Uh, Back in 1984, the World Blind Union came about as a merger of two international groups. One was the World Council for the Welfare of the Blind, which represented service-providing agencies, and the other was the International Federation of the Blind, which was consumer organizations. And the two merged in 84. However, from the founding of the World Blind Union, there has been a, a very strong, um, what would you call it, culture or belief system 
that while we need to represent both service providers and individual blind people, that our policies needed to reflect the views of actual blind people around the world. And I won't get into all the details, but we we have that built into how we select delegates and other processes within the World Blind Union. Uh, but that's that's how it came about. And over its its history, it has advocated on on many issues, some that we're going to get into later in this interview. Yeah, what are the issues? They're outlined in the WBU strategic plan for 2017 to 2020 under a special section called strategic priorities. Yes, Brian. So the strategic plan is how we organize our work. But it's not mysterious. If you think about what are the issues that blind people face, they they stay pretty constant. We need to expand education opportunities for blind children. We need to make sure that blind adults have access to employment. We need to make sure that people have access to uh, services that enable them to function independently as blind people. We need to uh, certainly be concerned about people who become blind later in life, so on. So so the the breakdown of our strategic plan touches on all these various issues. So uh, one of the issues that we're currently involved in relates to the Marrakesh Book Treaty. This started as an initiative of the World Blind Union about 10 years or so ago with what we called our Right to Read campaign. And uh, we worked with the United Nations, specifically an agency called the World Intellectual Property Organization, to create a treaty that would allow accessible books to be shared internationally. And that treaty was formally adopted in 2013, but for countries to participate in the treaty, those individual countries must ratify the treaty. And recently, as you know, Brian, the U.S deposited its ratification documents with the United Nations. I saw that. So we're now, yeah, so we're now in the treaty. How did the blind and visually impaired of America speak out for this news to take place? Well, it's been quite a long process. Uh, Things don't move quickly in Washington, and they don't move quickly with the United Nations. So uh, you go through a very long process where first the president issues an order saying that there is an intent to ratify the document. And then from there, uh, there are formal papers that are developed that give all kinds of background that's sent to the Senate. The Senate has to confirm the the articles of ratification. And uh, then it has to go back to the White House and through the State Department for the ratification to be uh, deposited. So it's a long and winding road. However, I would say that grassroots advocacy was critical at every stage. Uh, getting treaties adopted is not an easy process, even one as, as sort of common sense as the Marrakesh Treaty. And it took thousands of blind people contacting their U.S. senators and letting them know about the need for international exchange of books. Another part of that process was modifying our national copyright law to allow for international sharing of books. And uh, again, 
again, this that it was a very technical and long process, but it is the result of grassroots advocacy. Let's go back a little bit. You were talking about some of the areas such as employment, accessibility, that are in the strategic priorities for WBU. How exactly has the World Blind Union spoken out in these areas to address and call for change? Okay. So one of the other issues that we've been very involved in has to do with requiring that these very, very quiet electric and hybrid electric cars be equipped with a sound alert device. As you may know, there was a a study that was done by the Department of Transportation that showed that these hybrid electric and electric cars are literally twice as likely to strike a pedestrian as a car with an ordinary internal combustion engine. So it's a it's a pedestrian safety issue generally, but of course it has particular importance to blind people because if we can't hear a car, uh, that puts us in danger of, of being struck by a vehicle, making a wrong decision of when to cross a street or so on. <clears throat> so there is another United Nations agency, WP29, which is a standing committee on harmonization of vehicle regulations. And the World Blind Union, we've, we've been working with that uh, standing committee now for several years. And again, as with everything else with the United Nations, it gets very, very technical. But so far, we have been able to get a technical standard approved that is uh, applicable to about 50 countries, including almost all of the major uh, automobile manufacturing countries, requiring an alert sound. We're still working on a broader instrument called the Global Technical Regulation. but, But in the meantime, we now have a widely recognized international standard. So what this means is that blind people around the world uh, wherever you might be, chances are the the very quiet vehicle will have an alert device. Now, some countries require this through national legislation. Uh, specifically, the U.S. has its own standard. Um, and so that's great for those of us who live here. But if you're traveling, you you want to be able to safely be out on the street and be able to hear a quiet car coming. So We've been involved in that effort right now. We're just at the beginning stages of working on an initiative around what are called smart cities. And smart cities have a lot of appeal. Um, they, they integrate some of the newest technology and uh, that's wonderful for quality of life and uh, also efficiency as far as electrical consumption and so on. But as with all other technology developments, we need to make sure that accessibility is factored in so we don't have huge amounts of of development work taking place only to find that blind people are left out and then have to advocate for modifications. So each country has its own ways and practices of adopting 
the new cars that will make these noises to help the blind know, okay, I hear these hybrid cars coming. You know, I can't cross the street. Um, now, let's talk about emergency situations because there's, uh, there's a few committees in the WBU, one of them being the Disaster Risk Reduction Working Group. This group yes. protects the rights of the blind during humanitarian emergency or disaster. How does the group do just that? It, we do it by engaging with countries in their disaster risk management or um, it, their own internal uh, processes for, for preparing for various types of humanitarian emergencies. And these are typically coordinated, again, by the United Nations. And so much of our work ends up being, being organized through the United Nations. So there are huge international forums that are conducted that share best practices on disaster risk um, reduction and or dis disaster risk management. Those are two related concepts. And our job is to be at those and to get space on the formal programs so that we can keep reinforcing the need to consider the needs of blind and partially sighted people in the plans that countries make. And, and some of those, we have some specific things that we highlight that are very common sense to, to your listeners. Uh, for example, if you have a warning alert on the television or radio, an alert sound, uh, that's wonderful. But if on the television, then it's followed by text saying where to go and take shelter and that text isn't spoken, then you've got a, 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 a portion of your population that won't know what to do. Or if it says, uh, you know, seek shelter um, at, 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 you know, buildings with red doors that are emergency shelters. Well, that's wonderful. But again, we need to know what, where those shelters are in a way that makes sense to blind people. And then, of course, particularly in developed countries where many blind people use service animals, uh, <clears throat> you need to make sure that when people are being evacuated, in many contexts, they say, we won't transport pets. And we need to make sure that countries recognize that evacuating a guide dog is different. I mean, personally, if I would want my pet evacuated too, but Regardless of the of the policy around pets, guide dogs aren't pets, and they need to be treated as as part of the blind person's mobility method, and and in the same way that you wouldn't want to leave somebody behind without her or his white cane, the same would be true for for a guide dog. So again, uh, the person who's been chairing this has has uh, presented at many of these international regional conferences to try to make sure that uh, that planning for blind and partially sighted people is part of the uh, disaster risk reduction efforts of individual countries. It's mostly, Brian, a matter of getting governments to think about it because the technology isn't particularly difficult. And one other piece I'll just quickly touch on is after 
after a, a large disaster, a hurricane or a large earthquake or whatever, uh, we've been pushing a concept we call build it back better. In other words, as you rebuild, now is a perfect time to consider accessibility in your rebuilding efforts so that you don't just simply replace inaccessible old infrastructure with new inaccessible infrastructure. And how can we create that new infrastructure so that it's accessible for the blind and visually impaired? Exactly. That's exactly. Do, do, do you consider, the, you keep mentioning the United Nations, do you consider to be the World Blind Union to be the United Nations for the blind? Well, in a, in a way, yes, in that the United Nations coordinates international policies through a collaborative process. And that's very much the model of the World Blind Union. Our members uh, come together in a general assembly once every four years uh, and vote on policies and, and various initiatives. And of course, we have to have mechanisms in place between general assemblies, which we do. And again, these are these are all structured to make sure that whatever strategic direction, whatever policies we put forward, really reflect the needs and values and priorities of blind people themselves around the world. And uh, there are times we take a vote, but the vast majority of our work is through consensus. Do you get together in a big room, by phone? How do you get together? Twice a, twice a year, we have what we call officers' meetings, and those officers' meetings include the immediate past president, the president, first and second vice president, the treasurer, and the secretary general, and the six regional presidents. So that group meets twice a year, and then uh, every two years, a larger group meets that we call the executive committee. And it's all of those same people with additional people from the regions uh, participating. And then every four years is the general assembly and every member organization uh, or every member country has, has a right to be represented in with their delegates. So we have, and, and then of course we do have the, the option of emergency votes if something comes out of left field and needs immediate attention we can do that through a email vote but again a lot of our work is done through committees and so those committees will typically meet through teleconference and or uh, email usually a combination of the two so we get ongoing input from our committees on whatever topic area that committee is in charge of. Is ACB Radio's very own American Council of the Blind also one of the WBU members? Absolutely. Absolutely. Here, here in uh, North America, ACB has been a longstanding member and a very, a very active member of the World Blind Union. That's very good. Um, I should tell you that your former executive director, um, Melody Brunson was one of the people who helped in the negotiation of the Marrakesh Treaty. We had a, a team of people from around the world 
who would go to Geneva and sit through interminable negotiating sessions. And, and so, uh, she was, she was there and with her background as an attorney, she was very helpful. How can our listeners learn more about the WBU, join its advocacy efforts, and about any upcoming and exciting events that the WBU is holding in the coming weeks, months, years, etc.? Follow us on Twitter. Uh, and also, we have a website. And if you go to our website, you can find out about our Facebook page and Twitter feed and all that. Our website is www wbu.ngo and ngo is an unusual um, ending for us in the in the US but it stands for non-governmental organization so www.wbu.ngo wbu.ngo that's going to go on speaking out for the blind.weebly.com the show website Well, Dr. Schroeder, we really appreciate all of your hard work. We hope that you continue to help improve the lives of the blind and visually impaired around the world. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you, Brian. Before we go, I welcome your comments on this program, listeners. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind, or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website, that's speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows, ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening, and remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Tired of the same old survival reality shows that aren't too real? Ah! Then join me, Brian McCallum, on Speaking Out for the Blind. I interview real famous and inspirational blind individuals and other specialists about a real wide variety of topics providing you with real steps to achieve your dreams. Speaking Out for the Blind airs Wednesdays at 10.30 p.m. Eastern and repeats throughout the next seven days on ACB Radio Mainstream. Go to acbradio.org slash mainstream for days and times. 
you can access the show archive at acbradio.org slash speaking-out-for-the-blind. And if you have any feedback about the show, you may contact me at speakout at acbradio.org. Happy listening! California, Florida, Iowa, Texas, guide dog users, students, IT professionals, government employees. The American Council of the Blind has members in all 50 states and is actively engaged in a wide variety of activities. We advocate for the education, employment, and social inclusion of all blind and visually impaired Americans. We publish a monthly magazine. We hold an annual conference and convention and operate a multi-channel internet radio station. Check us out at acb.org. Together, we can do anything. Happy holidays, everybody. I'm Brian McKnight for RAD, recording artists, actors, and athletes against drunk driving. When you're traveling during the holidays and you see someone who's had too much to drink about to get behind the wheel, get those keys. Friends don't let friends drive drunk. A public service message brought to you by the U.S. Department of Transportation, RAD, the National Association of Broadcasters, and the Ad Council. This is ACB Radio, connecting the blind community. Connecting the blind community.